You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we only cheer for people named Brandon. I don't know why, because other people's names have the same amount of syllables and would fit the same beat, so I don't know why it's Brandon we have a particular problem with people saying let's go to, but there it is. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I have returned from a multiple week hiatus it feels like it's been a lot longer we've got about six trailers because there's a lot to talk about about what will come out which is ironic because for a while there was a a lack of trailers on the show because we we hit that lull where you know like september and early october end of august no one really wants to release movies but now we're getting back into the swing of things where people want to release movies again so a lot of trailers were released uh when i was out when the show was out and of course uh, everyone who listens knows why I was out. I was, I was getting married. And interestingly enough, we, we have someone from the wedding here today uh, who you're all familiar with. And, and it's sort of, uh, sort of, I don't know, ironic, appropriate? Appropriate is probably the better word. So let me introduce him. Joining me this trip from our nation's capital, Daniel T. Richards. This week it was uh, Let's Go Bolden. Right? As we were watching the Patriots game, a little insider Patriots football. Well, I would like to point out, Daniel, what is, there. what is his first name? Brandon. Brandon. It's very yeah. strange, isn't mm-hmm. it? But can we not say that? When he is dominated, can we not say, let's go Brandon anymore? Certainly. Certainly has a different meaning. <laughs> uh, congratulations once again on your nuptials. I, I think, uh, last I heard, they've continued uh, <laughs> to this point. So... Bravo there. No annulment. Um, no annulment. And, and no annulment. And you know what I was reflecting on, Daniel? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of, I don't know, a life lesson or just something to, to think about. You know, when I met you, I never realized that we would be uh, giving the toasts at each other's weddings. But that happened. Hmm. True. Yes. Reciprocal toasts at each other's weddings. Absolutely. And- I'm just really happy... Uh, quasi humble brag that you that I got invited to a wedding where I was not asked to officiate. <laughs> so, thank you for that. The great uh, Eric Daniels officiated the wedding beautifully and set me up perfectly with his integrated theme about wedding as an education or love as an education, I should say. Um, setting up my my toast to Justin. So, well, it was beautiful it- affair. Um, despite the uh, multiple cases of malaria I've since suffered from the mosquito bites, <laughs> but. Other than that, fantastic. Congratulations on a successful wedding that wasn't boring and horrible. Well, thank you. That was uh, sort of what I was most happy about with the wedding. Every other wedding I've been to, there's always something that's gone wrong or it's always been tedious. And I didn't know if it was just because it was my own wedding that I was like, oh, wow, this is great. This is going really well. There's <laughs> there's no errors. Everything's running on time. People are here early. So it's good to hear that from you. So that it did stand out uh in regards to eric he set all of us up well because it was crazy how he quoted mr feeney in his efficient speech Mm -hmm. and then i quoted topanga in 
uh, my vows. And then Christine and I both mentioned Tom Brady, and then you went on a whole thing about Brady and the Pats in your speech. None of us planned any of it. It was so it was integrated in the most beautiful way possible. <laughs> it's almost like we know you. Yeah. <laughs> but how many times does that not happen at a wedding? You know what I mean? I it's pretty rare. I mean, sometimes you'll get some some minor crossover stuff, but. Uh... Yeah, it, it, it was like some, you had a showrunner for your wedding during the arc <laughs> of the wedding season uh, with how well that was integrated. So a lot of insider baseball here for people who didn't get to attend. And there was no recording, so uh, sucks to be you, audience, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. There was no recording? How many fucking cameras were in my face? Jesus, man. The, the thing I hated the most. Honestly, you wonder what the worst part of the entire thing was? Was hmm. the fucking dance floor, okay? Because first of all, I don't <laughs> dance. And her family dances very well. And they're the people, oh, yeah. they get in a circle and they like push someone in the middle and they're like, go Brandon, go Brandon. And then the wedding almost got <laughs> shut down. No, I'm kidding. But, um, no, and then they chant for someone like that, right? Yep. And at certain points they wanted me out there because, you know, it's my wedding. They want me to have a good time. But I don't dance. So I felt intimidated by that. And then when I stepped anywhere near the dance floor... The videographer and the photographers immediately got in my face and like the camera would rotate around me. And I, I immediately was like, OK, I actually could never be on a reality show because it was the most <laughs> disconcerting thing ever, because it's like everything I'm doing is being maximized right now. Yeah, there may or may not be um, fairly embarrassing video of me dancing and scream singing uh, Paramore's misery business at the top of my lungs, <laughs> when they which fi- I hope is saved only for the the new Lesneski family and not for public consumption. Yeah, but, they they may they may cut that out. I don't know, but that although one. at a certain Patreon subscriber level, I'd be happy to release <laughs> that footage because I can be bought. Let's be clear. Well, maybe maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll have you can see the wedding video if you pay certain amounts. But <laughs> we have we have William to thank for that. He's not here. But he kept bugging the DJ because I don't know if you know this, like we gave him a list of songs to play and some of them were pop punk, but he was deciding not to play any of the pop punk songs on the list. Even during dinner, Mm. it was supposed to be four year strong acoustic, which is like a very mellow, chill song. Didn't play it. And William kept coming over to me. He's like, where's Newfound Glory? I go, I don't know, dude. Like, I can't force the DJ. So it wasn't until William bugged the guy enough that he actually played (laughs) pop punk songs. Yeah, William said to me at one point, at, uh, what did he say? At this point, I'd settle for old found glory, <laughs> which is a very drunken William joke. Um, but yes, I was actually, so one, surprised that uh, everyone in Christine's family knew the pop punk stuff. I, I guess pop punk is more popular than I think it is, which is a weird thing to say to Justin. Um, but, and then the other thing that surprised me, oh, yeah, how incredibly talented at dancing your wife's entire family is yep. including her great grandmother yep i put a great in there yep. everyone great grandmother on the dance floor no they had four generations there four generations yes crazy and, town and they all looked younger than we did <laughs> hashtag married an asian <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fun. But as much as I'm sure people uh, love hearing me talk about my wedding and you talk about my oh, wedding, oh, this isn't the whole the whole show. No, this isn't the it's whole. Not show. a wedding recap. No, it's oh, not okay. a wedding. I, I think there are more interesting things for people to hear about. Mm-hmm. Although I do think we talked about the most interesting things possible about the wedding. 
but let's get into more stuff like COVID-19, right? Everyone loves when we talk about COVID-19. It's time for Life on the Midside. Take a good look around. This life really sucks. Are we just complaining? I hope that this mic goes on. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all contributions, including affirmations. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. So, Daniel, over the last couple of weeks, I've seen I've seen a lot of stuff that I found interesting. Sort of, you know. We like to talk about witnessing the farce here and, and where our culture's at. And there's been a lot of crazy shit that I think is sort of over the top. And I I want to get your perspective on it because we don't have you on the show a lot. And it's just stuff I kind of want to voice some thoughts on. So the first thing that, that affected the wedding, actually, was all this vaccine mandate stuff in relation to uh, airlines. And hmm. we, yeah. we saw, you know... Uh, the, the big Southwest walkout, which they blamed on weather, and then Delta had some responses. <laughs> but then another story happened since that that I thought sort of put it into perspective because I think it's always good to compare Florida and California here. And I say that as someone who moved from Flo- California to Florida, and you were just at the wedding, so you understand. Florida, it's like there's nothing going on. Uh, yeah, there's no pandemic in Florida. Yeah, which that's the reality. There is no pandemic. I mean, mosquitoes and gators but that's it really (laughs) that's normal yeah that's normal but yeah so the before we get to the airlines the thing that that jumped out to me was san francisco shut down in and out because in and out which has a known conservative owner refused to have a vaccine mandate for their employees this just blows my mind because again A question I've had through all of this, and you know, Daniel, I've talked about this from the beginning, is how is this constitutional? How how is this fit with the American style of government, especially now? Like in the beginning, I understood a little bit of these emergency mandates and stuff. But now we're to the point, and again, there's no pandemic in Florida, comparing Florida and California. (laughs) How can California get away with things like this? How is this not Stomping on constitutional and individual rights. It, it blows my mind. You know I'm no In-N-Out fan. You know I don't want to wait 45 minutes in line for a, a normal fast food cheeseburger that's overhyped. But any business, any business being shut down for saying we want to let our employees make their own decisions, that, that that's crazy to me. It's crazy to me either way. If you shut companies down because companies required vaccine mandates, I'd be saying the same thing. Companies should be allowed to have vaccine mandates. So I, I don't get this at all, Daniel. Yeah, it's a it's a weird situation. So before we dive into that, I want to clarify, it's my understanding, and not that I want to come on the show and, and correct the host, and, but please tell me, um, it's my understanding that what they refused in particular was to literally stop patrons at the door and ask them for their vaccination identification card and a picture ID and then if they were unvaccinated or couldn't prove they were vaccinated, the city of San Francisco wanted them to physically bar the patron from entering the restaurant. And In-N-Out issued a statement that was like, um, we're not going to be the 
vaccine mandate police for any government that puts our employees at risk, that puts the public at risk. And by the way, we're not segregating our customers by vaccination status, which is insane. Um, I, I didn't quite, I didn't read the part about their own patrons or sorry, their own employees, but that also makes sense. No, you're right. I'm wrong. Thank you for correcting me. Well, I don't know. I mean, I love hearing that. So I'm not going to (laughs) stop you from saying those words in that combination. That's Um, it. But this is what you're describing is even worse, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's (laughs) it's like (laughs) way worse. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, there's a couple things going on here. One is bravo to in and out Burger for finally producing something worthwhile because <laughs> it's not their food. Sorry, Californians. Their, their food um, is fine. I want to be clear. Their food is fine. The issue is the hype. Right? If somebody was like, that's a fine burger and you had it, I'd be like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Here's a fine burger that you have to wait an hour for. Right. That's the problem. Uh, pass. <laughs> but it's animal style. <laughs> um, whatever the hell that means. Anyway. So there's a couple of things going on. One is, I do think it's important that companies, well, it's a dual-edged sword, right? <laughs> because on one hand, we have this problem, quote-unquote, with too many companies sort of going beyond the point of, like, shareholder value and starting to get woke and into the discussion, the cultural discussion, starting to take stances, starting to be all environmentalist and, and all these crazy things, which they're well within their right to do but it causes some interesting issues. But on the other hand, there's a question about like when are companies going to stand up against totally illegitimate government orders for them to take actions in certain areas. And so I think that's the distinction we're working with here because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite when I praise in and out for doing something like this, but later on (laughs) maybe trash Netflix a little bit um, in, in the coming stories. But So I I do think that you have a great point about, like, where does this power come from? Like, what what is it uh, about COVID or protecting individual rights that gives the government the power to force companies to police vaccines? Like, whether or not someone is vaccinated, I can't actually conceive of a reason that is a legitimate government power. I know that there are questions about safety and, you know, uh, the thing I hear from some sides of the libertarian circle or or sometimes objectivists are, well, we don't have a, you don't have a right to infect someone with a potentially dangerous disease. All that's well and good. I think for this particular issue, we're talking though about requiring a private company to essentially be the police force for a vaccine mandate. And that, I think, there is no legitimate argument for why that is legal in any manner. And I'm glad in and out is standing up against uh, San Francisco. Well, Daniel, it all comes back to, everything you're saying comes back to this idea that we are unintentionally threats to one another. That's the only reason yeah. any of that is valid. And that that would carry through to a vaccine mandate. It's the idea that in order to make sure your customers are safe then you have to make sure that everyone is vaccinated in order to get in here because then you're protecting your customers, right? The thing I saw on Twitter, and this is one of the things that's driven me off of Twitter. I'm actually, you know, I still have an account, but I have no desire to use it anymore. I've nuked my Reddit comments and 
uh, reply and posts and everything because of statements like this. I saw somebody reply and say, well, they require they say no shirts, no shoes, no service. So why can't they say no vaccine too?" you know, making the, these equivalencies because they've they've literally dumbed it down to the level of you are a threat to everybody else. Therefore, we have a right. And I agree. If you are a threat, if you want to say no guns in our establishment. Go ahead. But then we well, get into the concealed yeah. carry issue and everything. Yeah, the, actually, that's exactly where I was going, which is, again, we, we need to make sure that we don't equivocate where the where the left is on a company could say, yeah, we don't want to allow anyone in our store who's unvaccinated. And here's our procedure for checking that. Right. I don't think that's a good idea, but that's they're well within their rights to do that. House of Blues the question is doing here is it. Not that. House of Blues is doing it for concerts. You need a vaccine proof or proof of a negative test. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I don't think it's a good idea, but great. Well within your rights. The question here is, can does the government have the power to essentially force deputization onto companies, private companies? to do their policing for their mandate. Because in and out points out, they put the signs on the door that say the city of San Francisco requires that you're vaccinated in order to eat indoors at restaurants. Their point is, we're not going to be your police. If you want to police this, then come station police officers over here and have them do it. It's not our job to be the police. And why I was going to tie that into... Uh, concealed carry is I'm sure San Francisco has laws against concealed carry, and I'm sure there's probably some dumb sign mandate because California, all they friggin do is have dumb sign mandates about having to have a sign on the door that says you can't bring a concealed carry gun in here. But San Francisco is not requiring in and out burger to frisk people on their way in to see if they have a gun right. and then and then push them out the door and say you are not allowed in here if you have a concealed weapon because that's potentially dangerous. Right. Same thing here, not because it's potentially dangerous that the employee could catch COVID, but it's potentially dangerous to have that type of confrontation with someone. Right. So, and I guess In-N-Out is now open again in San Francisco, but they're not doing indoor dining, which is their way to get around all this nonsense. Which is not a surprise. I mean, they've been doing that all over the place. That was their way of getting around all of it. In the beginning, everything was takeout. But you're 100% correct. It doesn't just apply to concealed carry. It conceal, it, it, can, it uh, applies to anything that's illegal. Are you supposed to stop yeah. anyone from coming into your store who's doing anything illegal? What if they're carrying illicit drugs on them and they come into your store? Are you supposed to check for that? Are you supposed to do a warrant yeah. check at the door? Yeah, corporations are not agents of the state. If you want to enforce your laws, enforce your laws. Well, what it is but, is, well, you said the word equivocation. It's equivocating between what's a public and a private, uh, public and a private space. Ooh, yeah, it's one hundred percent what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely, yeah. Public space is any space public goes into. Didn't you know that, Justin? Well, then is my house Therefore, a public space? Governments have governments have dominion. Well, I don't I, look. I don't understand that ar- that argument because, like, I'm a member of the public until I go into a place I own. So the only person who has private space is me, like for my own places that I own. So we're That's we're supposed to be argument. well, we're supposed to be against the one percent, right? Doesn't this make rich people just want to buy everything, and then just it turns into Cartman land? Because <laughs> if I'm rich and I know the only place the law doesn't apply to me is if I own everything, then I'm just going to try to own everything. You're going to become Zillow, who's <laughs> buying up every every house they can, especially in Florida. Oh, is that who? Is that why everything's coming off the market in twenty-four to forty-eight hours here? 
not entirely, but they're they're definitely trying to be competitive in that market because, you know, not not for the vaccine reasons. Obviously, that's a different conversation. But just making a stupid joke. Well, I mean, let's let's bring this conversation back to the airlines here. I mean, Delta, dude, like, <laughs> I don't understand this, right? So they say they, this is what they said, right? They, they supposedly didn't have vaccine ma- mandates. And then the, the, the CEO said, we're not opposed to vaccine mandates. He, you know, he, he said that the threat of firing employees for not being vaccinated felt like a, a sharp object. But then he said, we hired 8,000 people this year, all who had to be vaccinated in order to come and work for our company. So I don't understand this on two levels. One, like, you're just going to not, you're just tacitly acknowledging the vaccine doesn't make a difference because they're going to let those 8,000 people who you require to have a vaccine work with people who aren't required to have a vaccine. And then you're not against vaccine mandates, but you're not for them, even though you're requiring them for new hires. So it's it ends up being de jure requirement in the long run. So in 20 years from now, everyone will be vaccinated when all the unvaccinated people have quit, retired, or died. Like, it, the, the logic of this is astounding to me. It's, it's a fascinating sentence because it doesn't say much. It, I mean, it seems like the perfectly crafted PR statement, right? Well, we're not against vaccine mandates, dot, dot, dot. Okay, are you for vaccine mandates? Uh, well, would you fight a vaccine mandate? Well, are you going to require your own employees to have the vaccination? Like, it's it, it's saying without saying anything. Like, it's there, all Delta is trying to do is avoid controversy. Well, that's 100% what it is, and that's what I tell people about Disney, too. This is not an issue of the pandemic anymore. This is an issue of the government, and this is an issue of lawyers and liability. That's all this is anymore. Everyone is afraid of being sued, or they're afraid of the government coming down on them. And you know where we saw this? You know who took the brunt Hmm. of this in our society? is John Gruden. Look, I'm not the biggest John Gruden fan in the world, but what? but this 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 motherfucker, dude, he had his name taken down from the Tampa Bay Ring of Honor. Okay, now they were probably just making space to put Tom Brady's name up, right? But he's the guy who won their first Super Bowl for them, right? I know yeah. he wasn't the coach, but it was his defense and everything that uh, uh, what's his name from the Colts, the Dungy that Dungy coached, right? But did you see? You saw what happened to him, right? So the U.S. House Oversight and Reform Committee is doing an investigation into the workplace of the Washington football team, which is <laughs> the fucking most appropriate thing I've ever heard of my entire life. And through that, they found some emails where John Gruden said some things that are cancelable. So he said, I don't want to affect the team, so he stepped down. Now, I'd like to point out that the emails have never been released, and the only thing he's ever been quoted as saying is he talked about the size of a black man's lips right which Mm. could be considered insensitive right but is that a reason to fire somebody i don't know you you reflect on that but all the other stuff they're saying he's being sexist and stuff there's no emails for it right they never released the email so we have to take their word on it and the the, whoever's i'm not even going to try and say what is this krishna morthy He's in charge of the, 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 the investigation on this. And he said a number of things. You know, the NFL holds a special place in American life. 
And then he said, the Washington football team and the NFL enjoy special privileges under our antitrust laws. We thought it was important to get to the bottom of what's going on in the NFL in regards to the Washington football team and the way they handled their employees. What we've seen so far is deeply disturbing. The government should not be the arbiter of what the moral way to treat your employees is. You could talk about whether the contracts have been violated or not. You could talk about whether any criminal stuff has been done. But the idea that you just get to probe somebody under the antitrust laws. Oh, uh, we need to make sure that you're not a um, you're not a monopoly. So send us all your emails. Oh, and by the way, we saw that no, you were a dick me. in this email, so uh, you should resign before we do something to you. How about we just get rid of antitrust laws and then the government wouldn't stick their nose in this? Like, am I am yeah. I wrong that this is ridiculous that that John Gruden is, I, you know, I've never said anything about John Gruden on this show or Belichick, your premises. But am I wrong that John Gruden's a, a victim here? Ooh, interesting question. Um I don't. I don't think you're wrong. I think there's some stuff to clarify. So, so first, I want to say that I, I'm glad that Congress uh, took the time to root out the one person in the NFL who's ever said anything, in <laughs> either in writing or 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 in talking. So, now that that national nightmare is is over, uh, you know, the the nice FL can can move on with. Their Where life. would you rank John um, Rudin on the list of people currently involved in the NFL for saying offensive things? Would you rank him in, even in the top fifty percent of people? No, no. Also, Ray Lewis killed a guy, so <laughs> that's fine. Deshaun Watson's about to be traded to the Dolphins. That's fine <laughs> for being accused uh, of raping twenty-two women, right? And I don't look. I love right. Deshaun Watson as a player, right? He went to Clemson. I don't know what he did or what he didn't do, but like, maybe worry about that before. <laughs> That's fine. John Gruden made some really insensitive remarks ten years ago about somebody's lips. out, <laughs> out. Um, but here, I want to clarify the antitrust thing, Justin. So. Congress's argument for why they get to oversee anything the NFL does ever is that they have been granted by the government a literal monopoly in that there can be no competitors who play the exact game of football that the NFL puts on. Now, you can have leagues like the XFL or what was that short-lived thing that the ace the ACL, the whatever. Well, it was, American they, Football League. it was the ACL, but they got blown out. Yes. Thank it was you. the AFL. Um, that. Uh, but you notice that they like have weird rule changes and stuff so they can nominally say that they're not a f- the same type of sport as the NFL. Um, Major League Baseball has this as well. It's, it's a protection that's granted to them. A literal monopoly in the sense... Not in the, you know, like Twitter is a monopoly sense, which is ludicrous, but in a sense that the government actually will enforce legal action against people who try to compete with the NFL. So corporatism, like so if government's argument. So just just to stop you for a second, if monopolies were allowed, right, if there were no antitrust laws, the monopolies would actually be less insidious than this kind of monopoly that you're describing. Oh, yeah, totally, because you could just start up direct competition or or indirect competition, but in this case, you cannot start direct competition. The government will stop you from doing so. Um, so their argument here, Congress's argument, is we get to oversee basically anything we want about the NFL 
because we have granted them this special privilege under our antitrust laws, which is no competition. So there is a sense in which I have this feeling of like, well, live by the government sword, die by the government sword, right? Which is, okay, you want to have antitrust protection, but that means uh, there are going to be several hundred annoying people who want to meddle in your business a lot. And uh, sorry, sucks to be you. Maybe you should <laughs> stop asking for, for the antitrust uh privilege so um but on the other hand is there nothing nothing better to do with your time congress you don't have things to solve like rampant inflation or uh crumbling economy unemployment uh, rising um, gas prices <laughs> supply line crises oh and that whole thing where you say that we're still in a pandemic not interested Really interested in John Gruden's emails <laughs> and the Washington football team. Hey, America, That's I know we're in control of the NFL and we're in the middle of a pandemic, but have you considered John Gruden? <laughs> right. So, uh, look, there's that angle. Then the other libertarian angle is is something like, I'd rather they do this than anything meaningful. I'd rather they do this than pass Biden's stupid uh, build back better, build back Brandon campaign or whatever he's trying to pass. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that, though. It, Go ahead. I don't believe it. I'm just saying that's another libertarian. Angle. I understand. But uh, I'm going to ask a question. Aren't professional sports the last error, uh, the last area of meritocracy left in our society? Yeah. Indeed. So if we let them go after that, what do we have? True. There is that. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't want them to. Personally, I think they should be doing meh, anything else. I prefer they just do nothing, quite honestly. It'd be the greatest thing ever if they just took a paycheck and went home and didn't do anything. We can get a lot done in this country. But that's not going to happen. So work on meaningful things and not this. Um, I'm curious. Um if this is the new standard, Justin, like stuff, insensitive things you said a decade ago in, in a private email will be one made public and two can get you fired. Um, no more private private emails for the NFL. Every coach, every player, all the, the commissioner, they should all be totally open source public messages that we can read at our leisure. Well, and, and open up all the emails from as long as email existed. Let's do it. If that's the new standard, if we've decided as a culture, uh, at least in a congressional legal culture, that this is the appropriate way to act among adult human beings, so be it. Open them all. Everyone. 100%. Let's see everyone's. I don't know why John Gruden needs to be the only one fired. Let's fire every single player and coach who's ever been in the NFL. Well, I mean, isn't that where all of this is going anyway? I mean, let's look at it this way. And this sort of segues into the to the next story perfectly haven't we all been tricked into making everything public isn't that what social media is isn't that what cancel culture is because this is what blows my mind this is what blows my mind about all of these protests and everything we're seeing right and it even sort of plays into the vaccine stuff right the big thing we've seen recently is we saw you know the netflix strike over dave Chappelle, and then we saw this hilarious story about 
and I wondered why this didn't happen earlier, uh, Hooters made their shorts skimpier, right? Which our culture moved more towards appreciating asses than boobs. So I didn't know why Hooters didn't pivot sooner and they finally pivoted. And then what happened is similar to what happened with the, with the Netflix employees here where the, the Hooters employees decided to go on TikTok to complain about this and make videos saying, look at the new shorts, look at what they used to be. And now Hooters was like, okay, so just don't wear the new shorts. You can choose whether you want to wear the new shorts or not, which Again, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. That's their company. But it blows my mind, Daniel, that they have this idea that, oh, if we have a problem with our employer, we're going to go to the public space to address it. And it isn't even really the public space. It's the private space owned by whatever this company is. But we think it's public because most people can see it or it's broadcasted to a certain number of people. And then it's the same thing with the Netflix employees and walking out. So this this article in The Guardian talks about how tech employees are finally realizing their power because now <laughs> now we're past the point of striking for working conditions. Remember, Daniel, at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, when things like unionization made a bit of sense because you had to strike for, you know, livable working conditions, working conditions that didn't kill you and like actually having a break and, you know, actually being able to eat and, and rest and not catch diseases like that made sense. But now we're supposed to believe the employees will strike because they want to make sure their morality lines up with their company a hundred percent when, you know, you don't a hundred percent line up with your own morality, even from yesterday. It's, it blows my mind and it blows my mind that everybody, no matter if they're in the majority or the minority, especially if they're in the minority thinks, Oh, we're just going to hold a walkout. Like, that's what I don't get about this whole Dave Chappelle Netflix thing. Like, I get it. A comedian said a thing you don't like. And I get it. Dave Chappelle, who, by the way, was the hero of the left 20 years ago when he was making the Chappelle show, said things you don't like. And I thought some of his jokes, like, I haven't watched the whole special yet. I don't know if you have, Daniel. I saw some of the yeah. clips online. I thought I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, so I've watched... Every Dave Chappelle special on Netflix multiple times. I like him a lot. He's not my favorite comedian, but I, I respect him greatly. My personal evaluation of the stand-up special is that it's, as as a stand-up special, it's nowhere near his best stand-up special. As cultural commentary, it is refreshing, interesting, provocative, sort of all the things you'd want out of cultural commentary. Um, but pure comedy wise, mm, meh, meh. But anyway, I think it's always sort of yeah, been whole... him, though. Like now seeing the way he is now in these specials, right? When he remember Dave Chappelle went away for a while and then he came back and now he's yeah. doing these things where the Netflix is kind of like, OK, we give you money and you just do what you want and we post it. Right. That's essentially the deal they have with Dave Chappelle. I think it puts yeah. the Chappelle show in better context. Because when I watched the Chappelle show when I was younger, I was like, this isn't funny. Like, I get the point he's making, yeah. and he has a valid point, but, like, the whole idea of a, bla a, 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 a black white supremacist because he's blind, like, to me, that's not funny. But I get what he's going for, right? He's making fun of these concepts of white supremacy and everything and what it is and how it manifests and everything. Uh, so I think we have a better sense of who he is. I think he's smarter than he is funny, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I, I've, some of his specials have been uproariously funny, in my opinion. 
um, not all of them, and and this one in particular. Interesting, you mentioned the um, the the leaving. He went away thing. Like he brings that up in this special uh, spoiler alert where he's um, taking the Me Too movement <laughs> to task a little bit about uh, how it needs to be about more than like lip service to a movement. You got to actually do something. Like uh, like, and he brings up like he did. He walked away from a successful show in order to, in his in his opinion, fight racism in in Hollywood. Um, and his whole thing is like, I actually got off the bus. I gave away millions of dollars. Uh, what have you done for the Me Too movement? Um, so, very interesting point. And in terms of like the Netflix situation, again, it's this thing where I have this dichotomy of like. I'm glad that the CEO is, you know, even half-heartedly standing up for free speech, I guess, even though it's not really that. He's doing a fairly poor job of articulating why, like, his best, <laughs> his most pointed arguments have been more along the lines of, well, we don't see any evidence that trans people are being attacked because Dave Chappelle's special, so therefore we're going to leave it up. So he used consequentialism to defend it. Like, what? That's your defense of this? Um, so yay, I guess, thanks for the, the one cheer for free speech or whatever it is. But on the other side of this, like Netflix is no no real like champion of liberty and rights. Like they're super woke. Um, they produce some content that's egregiously offensive. And so again, sort of like with the NFL, live by the government sword, die by the government sword here, live by the woke sword, die by the woke sword. Like, you can't have it both ways. If you want to go full full woke, deal with it. This is what it is. Um, I would love to see a company, uh, maybe, you know, like certain crypto companies, for instance, who are actually standing up for values. I would like to see how they deal with this sort of situation. Like, I don't know, a bunch of employees walk out over, you know, being offended by something at an entertainment company, uh, fire them all. I, I guarantee you can find incredible talent to replace them. Uh, you don't need them. They're not, they're <laughs> totally replaceable. They're certainly not the um, entertainment talent, right? They're not the uh, comedians and the writers and, and those who are actually producing the good content that your product needs to survive. So well, that's a, can their assets. That's exactly what I'm talking about, Daniel, when I'm saying that why does this need to go public, right? I mean... Haven't you ever been in a situation where you're like, I don't know if I want to keep working here because I don't agree with what these people are doing. And then you decided whether you wanted to or not. And if you didn't want to, you moved on with your life. Like, why? Why is that a decision you have to make public? And why is it you can't sit down and have a a meeting with your bosses about it? Why is it you immediately jump to, oh, okay, we're all going to get together and and strike here. And you're 100 percent correct. Netflix is enabling it. These tech companies are enabling it by hiring these type of people and trying to create and pander to this type of environment. Yeah, this isn't a point that I've dived into deeply, and and I haven't heard a lot of people diving into it deeply. So it's interesting about the specific angle of bringing everything into the public sphere specifically for judgment. Right. Right? So um, I guess maybe I was... Maybe I'm not in this conversation enough. So if this is something where you're like, duh, we don't have to dive into this. But like, it is an interesting piece where 
these employees, all if they were offended or, or thought this was a bad thing, could have just, you know, watched the special, say that's offensive, put in their two weeks notice, right? Right. Tell their boss why they're quitting. Right. Um, but now it's, that is not good enough. What we need is to bring this into the public sphere so that judgment can be wrought by the public. Right. In the public sphere. Right. This is, I mean, to uh, uh, to quote Ayn Rand uh, on your show, Justin. Um, she she has this quote in the in the new in for the new intellectual uh, in her essay, "The Soul of an Individualist." I was googling it when you said this point earlier, where she says, "Civilization is the progress toward a society of privacy. The savage's whole existence is public, ruled by the laws of his tribe." And then the, the second half is is much more widely known. It's she says civilization is the process of setting men, or sorry, setting man free from men. Uh, but that first part, I didn't even quite know that first part. Civilization is the progress uh, toward a society of privacy, um, and we are <laughs> very quickly moving away from a society of privacy into a, a society where we're maybe not ruled by the, quote, laws of our tribe at the moment, although we're moving in that direction, but we are certainly ruled by the judgments of our tribe in the public sphere. Well, and there are certainly a lot of people who are ruled by that personally, whether Netflix responds to this or not, whether Hooters responds to this or not. And that's why I brought I brought the Hooters example in, right? You could argue there's a woke element to it because of sexism, but if you're that far down on Hooters, then you've missed the point of Hooters. <laughs> so if if you look at that, these are people who had a problem with their their uh, their dress code, and they yeah. rather than just talk about it with their employers, they said, "Oh, uh, we're going to get other people on our side. Either they're going to validate me and feeling upset online, or they're going to go to the company because I brought this up publicly." And it's exactly and, what and you're saying. This, yeah, and we see this on the micro level too, right? All the, I mean, we have now the concept of Karens, but but even for the ones that are not seen as negatively, you have things like, oh, this, you know, white woman cut in front of me at, uh, I don't know, Home Goods, uh, in line, and I'm going to live stream now the confrontation, right? So this woman can be judged or, um, you know, take race out of it. Just anyone, like if they're slighted in any way whatsoever, needs to go to social media so that this person can be publicly condemned for this action that happened um pretty scary pretty uh savage sort of existence yeah to use to use an incredibly offensive word that i will be canceled for but yeah and and what's interesting about what you're saying daniel is like on this show right we talk about general cultural trends you know we may have talked about john gruden but we were using john gruden as an example right we were not saying you know john gruden in particular same thing with dave chappelle right like we're not saying anything particular about any sort of moral judgment on Dave Chappelle back and forth. But these things, they're always targeted. Like you just said, the examples of, oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to film someone and then I'm going to put that individual on social media. It's never about right. general trends. It's never like, oh, here's what we see going on. It's always like, look what this one person did that was terrible. You know, the number of people I see do terrible things on a daily basis. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could fill the whole podcast with it. I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be as interesting for people to just hear me rant about people doing shitty stuff. You know what I mean? I know. Instead, you call me. <laughs> I, I would like to think that's a little <laughs> this more. Mf in the parking lot. Yeah, it's a lot of that. 
Yeah, I get you. And, and it's it's a thing where, yeah, I mean, I I see it too. And there's also this question about like how, not you and I, but how we sort of as a as a people react to it. And it's just never, it has never occurred to me that I want to put this person out for public judgment on this, right? Like, that is not in my first 500 thoughts about the incident, if I think even 500 thoughts about it. My first thought is, what the fuck are you doing? Knock it the fuck off. And then honestly, my second thought is, like, I want to talk to them and be like, can you explain to me what you're thinking? Can we figure this out? Because I'd rather have that conversation with them on a personal level. Yeah, and and not to, this is a weird way to, if I'm doing it, but not to put myself on a pedestal, which this certainly is not. But like, even the other day, I was having trouble with the kayak website. I was trying to book a friggin' rental car and multiple times it ended in an error. And like, I didn't even do that passive aggressive thing where you like subtweet the website to be like, oh, it's a crap website that doesn't work. I messaged them on on Twitter because I knew that would be the fastest way to alert them. But I literally just said, hey, just so you know, your website's broken. Um, You know, I'll try again tomorrow. That's what I said. And they messaged me back and like they gave me a discount and whatever. But it's like I'm not there to publicly shame them. That isn't the goal. I just knew that that would be the fastest way to alert someone. Right. Because their forms and their website were not going to work. And I just said, "I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. I didn't make it personal. I didn't want them to be judged horribly as this awful corporate conglomerate that has an awful website that's trying to oppress me, Justin, because I'm Mexican. Right. No, I've done or something. I've done the same thing where it didn't work, so I tweeted and I'd be like, hey, I can't get this to work. Can you help me out here? I'm frustrated. And it's more like, hey, this is my unique experience. It's not, hey, you guys are evil. This represents all evil in the world. Because you're right there, and you could easily turn it into, hey, look how crappy Kayak is. Let's all go point and laugh, right? Or let's go let's go judge them in some negative way, which is not not the goal. Never the goal. More, more on this privacy issue, Justin. You should dig into this more into the future shows that I won't be listening to. No, I will. I definitely will. It's actually related to uh, the movie review this week. So we'll get that in mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a second. But there's there's one thing I want to talk about um, before that. And I really, I'm really interested in your opinion on this because when this came about, I just sort of laughed because it's 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 kind of absolutely ridiculous, but it kind of also demonstrates where we are as a culture. So apparently, DC Comics has changed Superman's saying to "Truth, Justice, and a Better Tomorrow." Of course, it was always "Truth, Justice, and the American Way." Now, I, I find this funny for a few reasons. First of all, I want to be clear: the American Way was never said in Zack Snyder's Superman arc, but it was implied in the philosophical sense where the American way is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and natural life and the belief that all men are created equal, right? Essentially, individualism. Mm -hmm. But here, we've made it so that truth, justice, and a better tomorrow is making it so it can apply to anyone around the world, this is something I've talked about all the time, and this goes into the public space, private space, I think, a little bit, because it's all about, oh, everything is global now. You know, Bill Burr has a joke about this, or I heard him make a joke about this. It might have been when I saw him do stand-up. But the whole idea that like people in New York City care about what's going on in Alabama. Or I discussed that on the show with, you know, why are people in California talking about they're going to be doing marches in California against Texas's abortion ban? Right? Like, okay, I get it. You don't like it. Don't fucking live in Texas. 
right? Like, what is your company? What do you stand for? If Superman is an American hero, why are we worried about marketing him globally now? Because we want that global money. We want that global acceptance. And it, it comes to me to be uh, extra funny, Daniel, because when it says truth, justice, and a better tomorrow, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Superman is like an advocate for the long term. And what I mean by that is Superman has always done things in the immediacy. Even in Snyder's movies, everything he does is he's saving the world today. Now, there is a big part about, like, he's the best he can be, which inspires us to be the best in the long term. But Superman has never been a hero that's been future-focused. So changing his slogan to truth, justice, and a better tomorrow Hmm. seems to change, like, what about today? Superman's not fighting for today anymore? Like, you guys are the ones who are all about (laughs) cats taken out of trees. Do you not care about that anymore? Well, at least true. How long until truth and justice are are problematic? Um, that'll be interesting. Well, that's part but... of what I'm saying about the way this is. You can imprint whatever you want. You can imprint truth to mean whatever you want. You can imprint justice to mean whatever you want. You can imprint a better tomorrow to mean whatever yeah. you want. Someone pointed out that um, in the last Superman controversy, which is like in some version, the next Superman is coming out as bisexual or something. But... On the Superman's cover of that one, son, who, by the way, I didn't even know he had a son, is bisexual, apparently. Okay, fine. Anyway, on the cover of that one, I think the Superman was joining a climate rally, which was hysterical. And the one really funny sign was there was a guy holding up a sign that said there's no planet B in a DC universe where there are literally like millions of inhabitable planets. Yeah. And also a DC timeline where there's a series called Infinite Earths. Yeah. Anyway, and the, yeah, cri- the cri- writers are not crisis on infinite earths. Yeah. Yes. Apparently the writers are not as big a nerds as the consumers, but, um, well, that's something so- I never understood. Did I ever tell you about when I was coming back from, um, comic con in San Diego and I was talking to some guy who worked with Jeff Johns at DC comics and I was talking to him about Snyder and he's like, Oh yeah. Well, somebody told me like, if you consider Snyder's story an elsewhere world story, then yeah, it's a good story and it's interesting. And I wanted to look at him and be like, do you not understand what fiction is? All fiction is Elseworlds stories. It just, it blows my fucking mind. Superman's not a documentary. But there's the canon, Um, Daniel. We have to worry about what the canon is versus the non-canon. Got it. Okay, well, I'd like to load them into a canon (laughs) and shoot them into a Okay, Alec Baldwin. Uh, oh, too soon. Too soon. What are we talking about? Oh, uh, Superman Justice, whatever. American Way craziness. So I, I would even say that the, the argument, if it's being made that, like, this is because Superman is global and we need to sell globally. What flag are protesters in Hong Kong waving? What flag are protesters in countries that are protesting harsh COVID lockdowns waving. What uh, document are they reading from? They're waving the American flag and reading from the Constitution of the United States of America. I'm pretty sure that even if certain current political things aren't sellable, quote-unquote, in foreign countries, the concept of America is still immensely popular around the world. Many people still strive to make their countries more like 
the idea of America. And what could be more like the idea of America than Superman? So it is a totally bunk argument to me that we need to make Superman more global, therefore we need to get rid of the American way. That is unequivocally wrong and will actually probably harm the sales worldwide, not help them. So, well, that's something that comics, that comics nerds have been saying for a while, that manga and other Japanese comic books are outselling American comic books by a mile because of the slant towards the woke that the comic book industry has gone to. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I watch some... So my, my wife is really into uh, anime right now, like really into anime. Her and every and... high school kid in Florida. <laughs> I've watched some of it, and I'm struck by how not woke it is, by how heroic the themes are, by how not naturalistic it is. Now, it's still a stylization that I I can't really get into, like I don't really enjoy it. But in terms of themes, like, of course people are flocking to it because it is it is the anti-Hollywood. It is the anti-woke story at the moment, um, except Netflix's uh, various endeavors, which are fairly naturalistic and horrifying, but you would expect nothing less. Yeah, so something to continue tracking going forward is how will this change affect Superman? What's going to happen with Superman going forward? And Daniel, uh, just just to pat myself on the back and talk about our history here in the midside, uh, didn't we see this coming since Man of Steel was released? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you. It felt like we'd already done this story, but I actually think we had just talked about this concept before. No, 100%. So, we always talked about, or what I've always said from the beginning is the reason people hate Snyder Superman is not all the bullshit they say. It's because they're having a sense of life reaction to it, a sense of life rejection of having to be responsible for their own lives. Yeah. Totally. All right, that's a great place to end this segment. Let's talk about some other art, some art that just came out and some upcoming art. We got a lot of trailers to talk about in The Hopeful Romantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so on our Discord channel. Uh, Midsider Cody left some uh, great comments on the the trailers this week. Probably read a couple of those uh, when we talk about the trailers here in an instant, in a minute. Uh, You can find the Discord link by going to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link and it'll be in there. We look forward to talking to you this week. So, Daniel, I made an interesting choice. I made an interesting choice. Are you aware of the two movies that came out this week? I am aware that movies premiered this week. So you don't know what they are? Nope. Okay, so the two movies that came out this week are Dune and Ron's Gone Wrong. Oh, I knew... I guess I, I, guess I could have reached for Dune. Uh, and I've seen at least one trailer for Ron... Ron that one uh <laughs> fake big hero six uh but uh i have not i'm not interested really in in seeing either at the moment at least 
Okay, well, prepare to have your mind changed about Ron's Gone Wrong, because I chose to see it over Dune. Now, part of the reason I chose to see it over Dune is I knew Christine would not be interested in seeing Dune. But the other part of the reason I did not choose Dune is Dune is directed by the guy who did such movies as Arrival and uh, Blade Runner 2049. Now, Daniel, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've seen either of those. I've seen Arrival. And tell me what you think of Arrival in one word. Slow. Okay. It was either going to be slow or boring. Naturalic, naturalistic. Well, yeah. slow or boring, which is a result of naturalism. And that's my opinion of him as a director. Now, you know, he clearly has a lot of talent, and I wouldn't take that away from him. But I, I just have no interest in seeing his movies. Uh, will I see Dune eventually? I don't know. People are telling me to see it, but it's one of those things, Daniel, where I hate, and I don't know if you have this experience, probably not anymore because you don't see movies. I hate when over and over again people are like, you need to see this, you need to see this, and I'm like, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't, and they keep saying it, and then I finally go, fine, and then I see it, and I go, I didn't need to see that. Like, (laughs) oh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. (laughs) With all movies. (laughs) Okay, well, have you seen Free Guy? No. Nope. Ah! All right. So Ron's Gone Wrong is an animated movie about a world where Bubble, the stand-in for Apple, uh, creates the next step beyond phones and tablets. They create Bebop, Bebots. They are your best friends out of the box. Basically, what you do is you scan it, and it connects to you, and it helps you make friends because it knows everything about you. And... The company is run by this guy named Mark. Hmm. Yeah, okay, give me some sort of a reaction. And he created hmm. the, the the algorithm for friendship. And hmm. that's why he created the Bebot. But Ron, it's gone wrong, follows one guy, Barney, who doesn't get a Bebop because his family doesn't believe in it and also because they're poor. So you follow him at school, you find out he's no friends, he's weird, you see the culture everyone has with all these bots, and that's, you know, all of these kids are, are streaming and everything, and literally they're at school and they're streaming, and somehow whenever it's time for class, they all have their shelves they put the B-bots into, and they all go pay attention to class. Don't ask me how that would happen, but it, <laughs> I don't know, I, I had a very hard time with the beginning of this movie because it played like a horror movie to me. Like, all of these hmm. kids who are, they're in middle school, and they're streaming and everything, and, like, one's trying to do pranks, and one's trying to be, like, a beauty vlogger and everything. You know, the typical Instagram girl, and I'm like, what is going on? Then the movie took an interesting turn to me. And it took an interesting turn to me because he goes home, and you meet his family, and they made him explicitly Polish. Okay. Exactly. And I was like, what? Like, they were like, his name is Podowski. And Christine goes, he's Polish. And I was like, yes, thank you. I understand that that's a Polish name. (laughs) And I was trying to figure out, like, is this intentional? And then you go, and, like, his, his mother's not around, so he lives with his dad and his grandmother. And his grandmother is the typical Eastern European woman. And they, like, show flashbacks where, like, she was, like, fighting against Stalin. And I'm like, what is going what? on right now? Yeah, what's going on right now? <laughs> That's what happened. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil one joke from the movie because I laughed okay. uproariously at this joke. So they they get him a. What happens is it's his birthday, and they get him a rock kit because they're like, you like rocks, don't you? And he's like, yeah. When I was a kid, <laughs> I wanted to be bought. So his dad feels bad. 
because, you know, the dad's a single dad and he doesn't really connect with his son and he wants his son to have friends. So he goes and tries to get him a Bebop, but it's too expensive. So they get him one that is sold in a back alley. So it's sort of like a, uh, it's not like a, a counterfeit one, but it's one that in a good piece of writing earlier when Barney was in front, he like ran in front of a truck, it fell off a truck and broke. So that's why this, this bot has gone wrong, right? It can't connect to the bubble network or anything. So the dad gets it and he tries, they try to return it to the bubble store. And when they get there, the bubble store lady is like, it's going to be a three hour wait. And the grandmother says, I swear to God to you, the grandmother says to her, her three hour wait, what is this, Stalin's Russia? Really? And yes. And I'm like, this is a children's movie? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I just, I had no idea, like, I was like, why did they make these people Polish? I don't understand what's going on. So I looked into it, and the people who wrote and directed this, one's Welsh and one's British, and they're clearly trying to make a point with this movie. They're trying to make a point with this movie. Ultimately, this movie is showing why being hyper-connected is bad and how you can't create an algorithm for friendship. So the algorithm for friendship actually ends up being written by Barney and Ron. Ron is the name of the robot, the nickname he gives him, by Barney teaching the robot how to be his friend by rather than the robot looking at an algorithm to figure out how to be his friend. And that's what ends up saving the company because his code is uploaded into the, you know, the entire the entire bubble network, which makes it so everyone's bebot is more unpredictable and chaotic. They're not just following a program. And there's an interesting commentary about humanity there and what humanity is. Yeah. It's like a free will thing, actually. Yeah, very much so. And uh, it, it, it does a very interesting job of also portraying the narcissism that comes along with this. Because originally when he's trying to you know teach him to be his friend, to Ron to be his friend, he says, you know, you stay within six feet of me. You know everything about me. You listen to me. You know, if I'm having a bad day, you leave me alone. And he realizes, like, no, I do this, you do this, and we do this. And they show that on the like on the, the board, which becomes the algorithm. So there's a lot going on in this movie about this. So with how ambitious this is, like, I think there's a high level of catharsis in this movie. Where you get to the end and you're like, okay, Ron accomplished something. Barney accomplished something. And when he has friends at the end, you feel like he's earned it. And you feel like... This movie has made a point, and it's an interesting companion piece to Free Guy because of that. And then hmm. the other interesting thing about this movie is, I don't know, I just found this movie to be really, really funny. Beyond, like, the stuff with the grandmother, the way they portray the bot, Ron, being broken, the physical comedy of the bot being broken is something we don't see often. And there's a lot of really, really funny stuff with that, where I, was just, I just cracked up a lot. So I would give this movie actually a pretty good rating. This is a bromantic movie. This is one of the Whoa. better movies of the year. Whoa. He said the thing. <laughs> so yeah, ch check it out. Check it out if you get a chance. If you got kids, you know, I know like Midsider Michael, you probably would rather Who did this. Is it DreamWorks? Yeah, this is I believe it's a, a DreamWorks. Let me let me Google it really quickly. It's it's interesting though because um they have a bunch of signs up for it at AMC and Disney Springs, which I don't know how they're letting them get away from. Oh, no, it's 20th Century Studios. So isn't that Disney? Oh. I, yeah, uh, yes, but not Disney Studios or... Interesting. Right, because 20th Century is who Disney bought, isn't it? Yeah. 
uh, distri- oh, distributed by 20th Century. Is Amer- it's a subsidiary, but it's made by what's interesting is Daniel. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's the first film from Locksmith Animation, and they're headquartered. Say I have. They're they're headquartered in England, so they're the people I was telling you about the Welsh and the, you know, Sarah Smith and the written by Peter, Bainham. I'm not sure. B a y n h a m. So, they're interesting people to watch. Uh, going forward because it's an American film but it's made by British people so interesting and it's about Polish people for some reason well you have piqued my interest sir okay good see that in Free Guy okay I'll see one of those okay (laughs) alright so let's talk about some trailers that are about to come out as always I post the trailers that we're going to talk about on the show uh on Saturdays in the Discord channel, so you can, you know, watch them before the episode, watch them after the episode, or watch them during the episode. You know, watch a trailer, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. The Sex Lives of College Girls is a HBO Max original series created by Mindy Colling. It seems to be a cross between Sex in the City and College Life. And it's one of these shows that, as I'm watching the trailer, I go, why is an adult woman obsessed with how college girls are treating their sex lives? And also, I don't, it just, it just didn't do it. it I, I, I wish I could be more offended at this than I am, Daniel, but it's just sort of like, we don't need this. Why do we need this? Why do people think that this is empowering and they think that this is what makes women better and makes sexuality better in our society. I, I just I just don't get it. Tackle. Tackle. Oh, so we're doing still doing the tackle thing for trailers. The bromantic thing is for the movie reviews. Correct. Oh. I was all nervous because I didn't know how to anyway. Oh okay. it's trailer right. takedown, so you hug or you tackle it. Alright. I'm I am all in now. Okay. Um look I have a similar evaluation of this to you, which is the, the, the worst thing I can say about this really is that it is not for me. <laughs> this show was not written for me at all. I am old. I am a dude. I have not been in college now in uh, damn near, oh my God, more than a decade. Um, so I don't know what the hell's going on in colleges, Justin. I, I honestly have no idea. Um, so this might be normal and representative and interesting to people do you think mindy calling knows what's going on in college i don't know maybe uh, do you think no, college girls but, are subscribed to hbo max were they the were they the demographic <laughs> for Zack snyder's justice league <laughs> i don't know it's just this was not for me at all i i couldn't not only did i not laugh at anything in this trailer i mostly was confused i really didn't even know what was going on um, things like them attending a naked party. All my thought was like, is this a thing that happens now? Dude, that happens. Like, is this a real thing? You've never heard of an ABC party, like an anything but clothes party? Like that stuff was going on when we were at school. I, no, look, I, this wasn't for me when I was in college, to be clear. Like I was too old then. Right. Um, I'm way too old now. Uh, no idea. Not particularly funny. I will say that. Something designed 
this is going to be horrible because Zack Snyder's Justice League, but anything now that comes with the HBO Max original label is automatically suspect to me um, in terms of being naturalistic and horrible. Uh, this doesn't quite fall into that only because it's just not for me. So um, tackle, but sort of like, uh, what? Tackle? Tackle. Second trailer. Butter is an independent movie about an obese high school student who catfishes a popular girl at his school and becomes good friends with her, but then also at the same time online sets out the day he's going to commit suicide by saying when he's going to eat his final meal. Uh, this story is based on a novel, and I don't know, I thought the, that this was as good as anything else that's out recently. I mean, it reminds me of Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's probably not high praise that it's as good as anything else that's out recently, but it, it it's situated in an interesting conversation. It's situated in an interesting conversation about, as we just saw with Ron's Gone Wrong and Free Guy, how social media and the internet affect self-esteem and socialization in the current age. And I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have. And I'd be interested because this looks like it's done with a level of ability that wouldn't annoy me while watching it like it doesn't look like it's done so poorly that it wouldn't annoy me while watching it that i depending on what comes out around this i would give this a chance just to see what kind of a statement the writers are making and i'm not saying it has to have a message and it. it has to be message fiction but what's the end point what's the catharsis of the story i'd be interested to see that because the the tension between oh hey his online shenanigans are what gets everyone to like him but he still has low self-esteem and is still promised he's going to kill himself. That's an interesting conflict and interesting tension. That's an internal conflict. I would want to know how that is um, resolved, but maybe I should just read the book. So tentative tackle. Or t- sorry, tentative hug. Hug. Yeah, again, I don't know. I feel so disconnected sometimes by being disconnected. Um which is weird for someone who works in digital, but like this whole culture that he entered was so foreign to me. And it actually even took me a minute with the whole, I'm going to eat my last meal thing. Cause quite honestly, Justin, I thought that was like him saying he's dedicated to losing weight, but no, was him going to kill himself? And he announced it online. Um, uh, you're right. But I think the conflict is, interesting at least on paper there was just nothing in the acting and writing of this trailer that made me say yes that is a thing i would spend an hour and a half watching so um pretty definitive tackle tackle third trailer home suite alone is the disney plus reboot i'm not even sure because there's a one shot in the in the movie of some dude with the name McAllister on his shirt. I don't know if that's supposed to be a grown-up Kevin McAllister. I don't really know what's going on in this, except they took Home Alone, and they, like, made everything really confusingly different. Like, why is he, like, half British? Why does this American movie have a British kid starring in it? And his mother is British? Uh, Why did they decide to make the robbers a seemingly married couple? Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm being nitpicky with the aesthetics here, Daniel, but, like, 
the wet bandits made sense as the wet bandits because they look like they'd be robbers and they look like people who would try to rob people's houses on Christmas or Christmas Eve. Like, I don't know why this couple, even though the actress, I've seen a bunch of stuff and she's funny. I don't know why they would rob this house. And then, then Daniel, the coup de grace to me for this trailer is he shoots a pool ball at the, the male robber's head, but it's a CGI pool ball. Why? Yeah. Why? Why did we need CGI there? What what purpose of that CGI? I think part of what makes the original Home Alone work is that it's practical effects. That makes it funnier. Yeah. Like when the toolbox comes down the stairs and the door hits them, the door is actually hitting them in Home Alone 2. That's funny. This to me feels like Disney was like, we just bought 20th Century Fox. We need content for Disney Plus to get people to sign up. How do we get them to sign up? Oh, let's reboot Home Alone. Tackle. Tackle. But who was asking for a reboot of Home Alone? Just re-release Home Alone. Put it in theaters for the holiday. I bet people would flock to it. It's fantastic. Um, this movie is more evidence that when we flipped the Hadron Collider on, we uh, ripped into multiple parallel universes that we're dancing through now as a, as a world. Because there's no other explanation for this total trash heap of a reboot uh tackle tackle trailer scream is the fifth installment in the scream series and it's a a reboot remake continuation i don't even know what the fuck this is right so it it seems in the beginning to be like a remake where it's like oh here's the you know scene from the original one where you know they don't realize the person they're talking to is actually somebody different and they're gonna kill them but then all of a sudden we get all we get Nev Campbell and we get David Arquette and we get um crap, I can't remember her name, the star of Cougar Town, Daniel. You you want me to name the star of Cougar Town? Courtney Cox. I was just stalling because I knew you'd say that. Courtney Cox, and they're in the movie again, and I'm like, wait, so this isn't a reboot anymore? What's going on? This isn't a remake? And here's the thing. I'm really interested to hear what you think about this, Daniel, because I've never understood the scream phenomenon. Like, I get it's supposed to be a commentary and meta all about horror movies and slasher movies, and I usually love that kind of thing, but I don't find it scary at all. Like, the opening of this trailer is not scary to me. Is it supposed to be scary where it's like, oh, this isn't your friend. Do you want to play a game? And I'm like, wait, so now you're ripping off Saw? And it's also like, but I'm in the house. And like when the door doesn't lock and he like undoes the auto lock, it doesn't scare me. I'm just like, (laughs) I have no emotional reaction. And then, like, I never found Scream funny at all. So there's literally nothing about this besides the fact that it looks like it's done. Like, again, technically, this looks very adept. It looks very clean and crisp. Whoever directed this did a good job directing this. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. Tackle. Tackle. I thought the first Scream was was a good movie, not a scary movie, but a good movie. Again, see my comment about the Large Hadron Collider. What is going on? <laughs> who, Who is asking for a Scream remake, redo, sequel, not sequel, parallel universe? And I don't know who this is for, but um, I will say that, like, with the Home Alone thing and Scream, uh, is there nothing that they will not remake now? Is, is nothing sacred, Justin? I look forward to, in my lifetime, a remake of the Star Wars franchise. 
not new movies, but a remake of the Star Wars franchise. And so, Tackle. Tackle! They honestly would have been better just remaking the Star Wars franchise than remaking the new trilogy. Well, anything is better than the new trilogy, including staring at a wall and flogging yourself. So hold on to your large Hadron Collider for the comment for the last trailer. We got two more before it. <laughs> trailer. Uncharted is an adaptation of the video game starring Tom Holland and, to my surprise, Mark Wahlberg. So I watched this trailer and I was like, okay, this is going to be a Tom Holland movie, whatever. And then I saw Mark Wahlberg and I was like, this got interesting. And you know what? Tom Holland is kind of like the new Tom Cruise. And maybe as a short person, I shouldn't be saying that about another short person. But this feels like a movie that 20 years ago, Tom Cruise would have st- uh, started. And you know what? I enjoyed this trailer. This looks like an unpretentious action movie. I, I don't really know much about the, the games. Uh, I own them because when I bought uh, a PlayStation 4 back in the day, the Uncharted series came with it. Never played them. But this trailer in itself just looks fun. It doesn't look like it's trying to make any woke commentary. It doesn't look like it's trying to be meta. Uh, usually Mark Wahlberg's in pretty straightforward action movies. Tom Holland, like I said, seems to be taking on that Tom Cruise uh, role in Hollywood. So you know what? This is a gleeful hug. Hug. There's not much I can add to that, Justin, because I actually agree in totality with your description and review of, of this trailer. I was so pleasantly surprised that I made it through an entire trailer of an action movie where they weren't self-referential and trying to make fun of the fact that they're doing an action movie. Um, It does seem fun. It seems like a type of movie that would be incredibly entertaining to watch in the theater without feeling like I'm being preached to in some way. Unpretentious hug. Hug. Trailer. Peacemaker is the HBO Max original series that spins off from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Now, here's the thing. You all heard my review of The Suicide Squad. You all heard how the character of the Peacemaker is used to show America in a bad light. But you also heard how John Cena did the character well, and they did it so well, what they were trying to do, that they made me like Peacemaker, even though he's meant to be the bad guy of the movie. So here's the thing. I don't know what they're going to do with this show. I don't know if it's going to be a prequel. I don't know if it's going to be a sequel. I assume it's kind of going to be a sequel because in the post credit scene, Steve Agee is there in the hospital with Peacemaker, and he's in this series as well. But I thought they were calling it a prequel beforehand, but they might have been just doing that to you know, not ruin the surprises in the movie The Suicide Squad because the whole point of the movie is who's going to die, even though they killed like two characters. So... I like John Cena. I don't know what they're going to do with this, but I may, I, I mean, I tweeted back in the day that I'm going to ironically, I'm going to ironically stand John Cena's peacemaker. I may continue to do this and I may ironically watch this in the way that James Gunn didn't intend. So this is going to be a hug. Hug. Whoa. Not what I expected from you. On this, I, I like barely to, make my way through. I this like John trailer. Cena. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> your love of John Cena may be uh, clouding your judgment of where this series is going because it seems like it's going to be naturalistic America hating garbage. Uh, um, Probably, yeah. Which is all I got from it, and so this is the hardest tackle yet. Tackle. That's because you haven't got to the next trailer. 
Yes. Final trailer. The Batman is the first full trailer of uh, the new Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson. And I I, I don't know, Daniel. I really need to hear what you have to think about this. (laughs) I've been intimating what I think about this the whole time. But I, I, I just watched this trailer and it did not look good to me. It was like they tried to make Batman in a in a Saw movie where they were like the Riddler is Jigsaw, which is kind of a cool concept, I guess. But why does Batman screen slaver? It looked like screen slaver. That is, of course, an Incredibles anyway. two reference, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the point, right? So first of all, that's been done before. But also, I maybe it's just the combination of that not making sense to me, and also. Going to Robert Pattinson after going from Ben Affleck and Snyder's aesthetic, I don't. I just didn't find Batman to be Batman. It, it just he he just this this seemed like, and this seems to be what we're doing with everything now, right? When we go back to Truth, Justice, and a Better Tomorrow, it's like we're taking the trappings of these characters and we're placing it on another movie. It's like, what if we made a Saw movie that was actually a Batman movie? Or we need a we yep. need a comic book movie that's a Saw movie. Let's do that and see what that turns out to be. Why is that the best type of story to tell with Batman? That's that's one of the things I love about Snyder's trilogy. Is when you look at Batman versus Superman, it didn't feel like he was trying to make a political drama or anything. He just said, "What's the most interesting story I can tell with these characters?" And that's what it turned out to be. Whereas here, it seemed like they worked backwards. Let's take a comic book movie, let's take a Saw horror movie, put them together, and that's the kind of movie we're going to make. Tackle. Tackle. We could not be more in sync today, which is uh, not totally uncommon, but uh, typically not this in sync. My, literally, Justin, my, my reaction to the trailer was, this is not a Batman movie so much as it is a Batface movie. That they have literally just taken and painted... Batman onto a totally different movie um, and 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 put the the sparkly vampire guy in it. Um, I do not get it. I don't know what the appeal is. I don't know who wants this. I don't know. And, and again, can we turn off the Hadron Collider? Because I'd like to go back to normal life pre-Donald uh, Trump winning elections and uh, and the Cubs winning the World Series. So... Yeah, this is, um, it's, it's funny that it's not even a hard tackle in so much as it's just like a, what are you doing type of tackle. Tackle. Okay, well, normally this is the point in the episode where I say, what did we learn this trip? But because of your theme that you've developed here, I'm going to ask a different question. Okay. Daniel, if you could go back in time and turn off the Large Hadron Collider, would you? (laughs) Now... Keep in mind, this would mean Donald Trump was never president, Tom Brady's still in the Patriots, and Kobe Bryant is still alive, but we would never get Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, <laughs> what a Sophie's choice. Um, wow, that's a tough one. I think all in all, I probably would still go back and turn it off, because um, we could at least always know in our heart of hearts, Justin, that Zack Snyder's Justice League was real and it was great and it was fantastic and epic. But then we wouldn't have to live through all these crappy remakes of 90s movies. Yeah, someone someone just took the Tim Burton Batman and was like, what if we turned it into Saw? (laughs) 
garbage. What did you learn this week? Well, I don't get to answer the question. I just have to say what I learned. What did you learn this week about turning on or off the Large Hadron Collider in the past? Uh, I think I'm going to stay in sync with you. And I think I would turn it off because I, I actually, you know, on a personal level, I'm glad I got to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. But I think what I learned about the Zack Snyder fandom and what I learned about fandom in general is worse and what's happened to fandom in general is worse. So I think you're kind of right that knowing that it would exist and could exist and it's sort of like more our little secret and, you know, pretty much what was in it was what we expected to be in it. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Right. Nailed it. Right. Yeah. So and you literally wrote a book. Right. So <laughs> I, 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 as much as it's nice to see that. I think the trade-off of, you know, no Trump presidency, Brady never living the Patriots, Kobe Bryant still being alive, I think that that's worth not getting all the negatives that come with the positive of Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. Screw the Cubs. Sure, that's what I was thinking of. I hate the Cubs. Yeah, okay. (laughs) All right, Daniel, I really appreciate you being able to come on this episode and, you know, reflect a little bit on my wedding and, and talk about sort of the stuff that I've been thinking about over the past couple of weeks. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote where people can find you? You can find me on the social medias at Daniel T. Richards, um, Twitter, Instagram, I guess people are still on Facebook. I, I mean, it's mostly a sophisticated birthday calendar now for me, but um, yeah, tweet me, Instagram me. I'm there under my real name with the T talk soon want to thank all of you for listening as always if it wasn't for you this would just be me sitting in a closet talking to a wall like a crazy man i mean it kind of still is that but uh, you know i feel better because i know there are other people listening to this if you want to support the show you can do so by going to the midside.com store picking up a t-shirt with a classic logo or you can you know buy my book at the midside.com the cut or there's always patreon or locals the midside.com patreon That's per episode, themidside.com slash locals. That's per episode. That is how we keep the lights on, or at the very least, you know, keep the website up. And, and, you know, the number one way, Daniel, what is the number one way you can keep this show going? Give us lots of money? Oh, no. Tell a friend. Tell a friend who has lots of money, and then we'll give us lots of money. (laughs) Tell your friends. Tell your dog. Tell anyone, tell anyone, tell everyone how awesome Florida is, how they should move here and how they should listen to the midside when they do the, uh, the videographer at the wedding said he was going to listen to my podcast on the way back from the wedding. I wonder how that went. (laughs) You got to do that after you get the edited video back. Well, you're the one who mentioned in the speech that I have a podcast. Oh, yeah. So he asked me what it was. You also made everyone, you? by the way, you also made everyone at the wedding think I'm a Republican. Thanks for that. It just said you, you were introduced to me as a Republican. I didn't say you were a yeah, Republican. Yeah, people aren't that clear. much of a high level thinker, my man. Alas. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin M. Lesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a reboot.
So before the uh, the episode started, I was down seventy seven to ninety five in my fantasy league, and now I'm up one twenty six to ninety five. That's fantasy football for you. It's pretty much a coin flip every week. So, good times. Oh, Mike Evans has 30.6 points. Jeezy peeps. 